About eight years ago, I had a genius idea. Now, doesn't come very often, but probably might have been my only genius idea. But I had this genius idea to write a book, and this book was going to be a bestseller. It was going to it, it was going to um, capture a lot of attention, and and the book title I decided was going to be Ten Things I Hate About Christians. And I had two brilliant audiences. I had a bunch of people that hate Christians. So they're going to want to buy the book. And then there's going to be a bunch of Christians going, why does this guy hate Christians? Now, obviously, it's a provocative title. And I don't actually hate Christians. Um, but, but the heart behind it, the idea behind it was, was coming out of a sense of frustration, going, things don't add up. Things don't quite fit together. Things aren't quite how they're meant to be. In some ways, it resonated because there's some, there's some things that aren't right about how we walk our journey. And so there's, there's, I guess, some attraction to that idea for some people. But the point of it wasn't to be negative. The point of it was to stir the pot. Now, a little while ago, the Navigators felt that it would be really good just to pause our series on Mark and talk about prophecy. Now, it's an area that uh, hasn't come easy for me. It hasn't been an area that, that I've embraced naturally. And the Navigators didn't want to just unpack a, a bunch of biblical theory but to actually wrestle with what it means to personally and corporately live in this space of prophecy, live in this, in this world of, of hearing God and sharing his truth. And as I said, this hasn't come easy for me. This has been something that has been a fairly long journey that has been quite a challenge. And so the title of my message this morning is Five Things I Hate About Prophecy. Now, for those that are, are going to go out and stone me, I don't hate prophecy. Let's just start clearly there, right? So it's a little tongue-in-cheek. It's a little provocative, I know. But the reason I want to start at this place is because for me, I grew up in a really conservative space. I grew up in an environment where not much was talked about the Holy Spirit or the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Um, it was very kind of works-oriented. And I don't know whether that was because that's all I listened to and I didn't hear the other stuff or, or that's all that was talked about. But my perception of the church environment I grew up in was very conservative and very care and, and service oriented. Now, when I started in uni, I started going to a church in Melbourne that was a charismatic church. And all of a sudden, these things that didn't quite sit together, didn't quite make sense, I read things and they didn't, they didn't make sense to me in, in scripture, all of a sudden came to light. There was this sense that there was actually a Holy Spirit that was alive and working and moving. And my two worlds collided. And that was a really challenging space for me because there was a culture that I'd been brought up in and then there were these things that were exciting and new. But what I also realised is I was not the only one that had these two worlds butting heads. There was actually a lot of tension in this space there was a lot of observation of things not working and people calling names and, and accusing people of being evil and, and sort of a self-pride thing that was going on for people, including myself, sadly, where I thought, I'm right and everybody else is wrong. And it was a really sad sort of space as I wrestled with this. It wasn't a positive space. In fact, things that were actually designed to work together became enemies, the idea of the word and the spirit became opposition to each other. It's either or rather than together. The idea of your mind and your heart became enemies from, for each other. Knowledge and discernment became one or the other, not both together. 
and good works and trusting God became one or the other, not a combination. And so it actually realised that this is actually a really stressful place for, for a lot of people. And, and it can cause a lot of tension and people leave churches over this stuff, over prophecy, over how the Spirit works, including Catalyst. We're not foreign from, from the tension and the, the challenge of this. What I've actually been talking about is the first thing I had about prophecy, and that is prophecy causes division. <laughs> I don't need to talk about this picture, but I think you get the idea. So there's this sense that prophecy causes division, that there's this tension in prophecy. And the natural place often is to, well, in the experience that I've journeyed in, is to bury our heads in the sand. Let's not talk about it. Let's not do anything about it because it's divisive. It's going to cause tension. And yet this tension is not new to us. This is not something that we've created in a modern culture. If you look back at Joseph, Joseph was nearly killed because he decided he was a prophet, because God spoke to him in reality, not because he just decided he was a prophet. And his brothers hated him. It says in um, Genesis 37, 8, his brothers said to him, do you intend to reign over us? After he'd, he'd shared his dream. Will you actually rule us? And they hated him all the more because of his dream and what he had said. So prophecy isn't a new tension. It's a tension that's actually always been there. And if you look at Joseph, it wasn't just a tension between him and his brothers. The tension became between the brothers about what we do about this. Do we kill him? Do we throw him into a pit? How do we get rid of, like there was disagreement between them. And then obviously there was a tension between the brothers and the dad. They were lying to the dad, all flowing out of this space of prophecy. And you go on to look at Jonah. He was a guy that was a prophet and yet he didn't really think Nineveh deserved mercy, didn't think it, the message God had for them was, was right. And his response after giving the message and God being gracious to them was, now Lord, take away my life for it is better for me to die than to live. That's in Jonah 4.3. That was his response to sharing God's prophecy with people. So we actually start with this premise of prophecy being actually a place that causes division. That's the space that I was introduced into prophecy. And it's not, it's not new to us. It's actually something that's been around for a while. But for me, the important thing is that we approach this with spiritual maturity. That when we come to this space, that we actually approach it with a sense of spiritual maturity. As I seek to encourage and exhort and edify others, as I seek to, to build up the body, it's not about me. It's not anything about me. It's about being obedient to God and responding to what He wants. When someone comes to me and shares a word for me or, or shares something they feel like God wants to say, guess what? It's still not about me. I know my Father's intention. I know He loves me and wants to speak to me, encourage me. And so even in the space where someone's sharing something with me, it's not about me. And as a community, we have this opportunity to bring our fears, our questions, our concerns, our things that we're not sure about into the light. That's maturity. So in this place that's potentially a place of division, we actually have an opportunity to bring to light the things that we're struggling with, the things that we don't understand, the things that we maybe fear. And so for me, the starting point of what I want to talk about today is actually a place of stepping into maturity, stepping into saying, God is a God that loves us. 
God is a God that wants the best for us. And sometimes people turn this into a place of division. And yet that's not God's destination. That's not where God's heading with this. That's not why he speaks. He actually speaks to heal, to restore, to encourage, to equip, to enable, to build up, to redeem, to bring revelation, open our eyes to things we didn't previously understand. That's God's heart. And when we approach prophecy with a sense of maturity, it's not about us. It's to do with a God that is intentional and has purpose. And so that's where I really want to start today. And I even worked out that I could learn something from someone that I disagreed with. Mind blown. Who would have thought? And it's the same when we go to different countries. You you go to Fiji and there's this sometimes sense of going, oh, gee, they really need to work on their plumbing or they really need to work on, you know, the clothes they wear. And there's this easy separation to go, oh, they're lower than me. And yet if you strip that away and go, there's some things that are different about us and there's things maybe we disagree on, there's actually such a richness that we can understand from people that are different from us. And that brings me to my second point of the five things I hate about prophecy. The fourth one is prophecy relies on faulty equipment. The first time I prophesied was about 17 years ago. I was at a prophetic conference. This is a few years after me coming to a church that was opening my eyes to new things. Way out of my depth, And there was a lady, a prophetic lady called uh, Vicky Durazio, her surname's now Simpson, uh, amazing lady that had actually come to our church previously and and I heard her speak and I understood a little bit. But after going through some training in that conference, it was like, okay, turn around, get into pairs, prophesy, go for it. And I'm sitting there going, I'm so way out of my depth. This is ridiculous. What am I doing here? this, This doesn't make sense. Why am I even in this space? I I have no idea what I shared with the person. But as I'm talking, as we're praying, as I'm sharing with this person, their eyes lit up. I'm like, this is bizarre. I'm praying for you. And then there were some words that I felt like I should pray and and their eyes lit up and went, wow, that's really significant to me. I'm like, gee, this is bizarre. They were in the same boat as me. They were way out of their depth. And at the time, I'd been praying about buying a car and, and I was leading a youth group and I was like, this is a lot of money, God. Is this how you want me to spend my money? First major investment in my life. This is pretty serious. And this lady's praying for me and she goes, I'm seeing a picture of a car. I I have no idea what it means, but that's all I got, sorry. Like, I'm stuffing this up. I'm like, you serious? (laughs) Like, this has been consuming me for a couple of weeks. And there's this picture of a car that she had. And I was like, wow, that's... Us? Really? We have no idea. And yet God was already using us in that first step of obedience, of using faulty equipment. And you look at the Old Testament prophets, they had various names, prophets, seers, watchmen, men of God, messengers, servants of the Lord. It really doesn't matter what you call them. In every case, they were faulty. They were flawed. You you call them a major prophet or a minor prophet, doesn't matter. None of them were perfect. And yet God actually chose to use them to speak. Bizarre. It's a crazy, crazy way of modelling it. I've often heard people say, if God got something to say, he can tell me directly. I don't need someone else. If God's capable of speaking, he can speak to me directly. And he can. My experience is most of the time when someone has something prophetic to say, it's not the first time God said it. 
<laughs> Most of the time, he's been constantly saying it to someone for a while and they've ignored it or they've struggled it. That's my experience. I've ignored it. I've struggled it. And then someone says, have a sense that really, God really wants me to share this with you. And there's that, oh, okay, I can't ignore it anymore. He's told someone else too. <laughs> it's, it's out in the open now. It's in the light. I can't hide internally anymore. And he's actually brought light to something that deep inside I already actually knew. And so this idea of God speaking us directly, absolutely. Seek it, pursue it. God will speak to you and God will tell you stuff directly. And he'll bring people around you to encourage, to exhort, to enable you, to lift you up into that place that he's already talking to you. It's not either or. He actually does both for our benefit. The interesting thing was God had been doing this to me. He'd, he'd been stirring me up going, Matt, I've called you to be a pastor. I've called you to be a pastor. I think that's where you're meant to be going. I'm going, I'm sitting at a computer making websites and apps and stuff and boss's right-hand man, dependent, really needed me. Business is going to fall apart if I'm not there. Pastor just doesn't fit. And there was this one night where Tanya was away in Eden with the kids and I was home and a, bunch of, a couple of guys from Catalyst went, oh, you must be lonely on your own. By the way, I'm not. I love my own space. But they were really well-meaning and they went, we'll come around and join you on one of these nights. And I was like, oh, seriously, okay. We'll watch a movie. Cool. That's okay. We can do that together. I can handle that. And we got there and we sat there and we started talking and we kept talking and they're getting deeper and heavier and I'm going, this isn't bad, but let's just watch a movie. That sounds good to me. And then one of them said to me, out of the blue, it wasn't even the conversation, I really think you should be a pastor. I'm like, hang on, what did you just say? <laughs> And they said, yeah, I've, I've watched and I've seen and, and I really have this sense that, that you should be a pastor. And they could see my expression on my face and they said, this isn't going down so well. What's, what's going on here? And then the three of us, they were, they were like two wolves attacking a lamb. They'd seen, they'd seen the blood. They smelt the blood. No, they, were, they lovingly stepped into this space and saw my weakness there and, and saw that this wasn't the first time God had said this to me. And they went, hang on. We need to push a little harder here. There's something God's doing in this space. Why don't you see this? Why have you denied this? Why have you questioned what God's been saying? And it was amazing. And then it was fantastic, by the way. I'd make it sound negative, but it was negative because of my fear, not because of what God was saying. It was actually an amazing space of, of unpacking what God had already done. They weren't bringing something new. God had already done it. And then they left and I called Tan. And Tan knew a little bit more of the journey than they did, obviously, at about... 1.30 in the morning at the end of the conversation, we're like, okay, we can't confuse what God's doing here. So the faulty equipment that came into my house and interrupted what I was doing, actually were used by God, triggering something that changed my life in a pretty major way. And so faulty equipment is easy to look at on the surface as, as dodgy, but underneath, God is consistent with that faulty equipment. He sees bigger than the faulty equipment and sees some amazing things that, that he's capable of doing through what we see as faulty equipment. The third one, prophecy requires effort. I mentioned that this for me isn't, hasn't been an area that's come easy. In fact, it's felt like this sometimes. It's felt like an uphill slog. It's felt really hard, but it's been an area that I have intentionally wanted to grow and learn in. It's something that I haven't just given up because I see it as significant. 
In 1 Corinthians 14.1, it says, Follow the way of love and eagerly desire gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. And you kind of go, ah, oh, but the Old Testament prophets, they were big famous people and, you know, they stood out and everyone, we look back at the time, they weren't admired, a lot of them, but we look back and go, wow, they were the amazing people of God. And I go, well, that's not me. That's not who I am. So why am I getting arrogant and proud and wanting something that's to be like them? But then it goes on in verse three to say, but the one who prophesies speaks to the people for their strengthening, encouraging and comfort. Ah, that's something I want. They're strengthening, encouragement and comfort. That's on my heart. That's my desire. And if prophecy is a stepping stone to doing those things, then I want prophecy. I want to be a guy that, that is able to speak God's word into people's lives, have revelation, have understanding, have discernment and be able to encourage and strengthen and comfort people. So all of a sudden, what was this lofty, people standing up high and looking at them with pride or, or with aspiration became something that's actually a grassroots thing to encourage people, to enable them and to support them and, and lift them up. It's a very different space. And all of a sudden, this was something that I went, I actually want this, I want to pursue this, I want to understand this. And the first place is understanding. You've got to understand it, you don't have to, but it helps to understand the difference between the Old Testament prophets and the New Testament. There's some differences there. There's some things when you unpack it to understand that. There's also some significant differences between the gift of prophecy and the office of a prophet. I always associated prophecy with someone who was a prophet. And yet, as the Spirit was poured out on all people, God released to all people gifts to be used for the building up of the body. Gifts to be used to bring, bring glory to Him that weren't just an individual that's set apart as a prophet. They exist, but that's not the only space prophecy operates. It's an amazing thing that's actually been poured out for the body. And when you, when you see prophecy in that light, all of a sudden there's a whole bunch of passages that make so much more sense. When they talk about how to behave in, in corporate gatherings like this, that only have a few people prophesy, and it's a natural part of healthy, healthy spiritual community and encouragement and growth. So you've got to understand the difference between those things. You've got to understand the, the purpose of prophecy. And I mentioned them before. Edification, exhortation and encouragement. This is the heart behind what the gift of prophecy is for, for us as a church and for people. You've got to spend time praying and reading the scripture. It's the foundation to understanding and testing prophecy. This is all effort and in my laziness, I don't want to do this stuff. But when I see the destination and where we're heading, it's something that I choose to invest in because I see it as significant in our lives. There was a fantastic quote someone said to me. If you want to prophesy, you've got to get the word into you so you can get it out of you. It's a cool phrase, isn't it? If you want to prophesy, you've got to get the word into, into you so you can get it out of you. So if you don't have a foundation of God's word, and this is where it comes back to what People kind of go, oh, you're stuck in the Word. You need to get the revelation and, and see God's intention for today. You know, the Word is kind of a bit old. And some people go, oh, no, the Word is everything. This, you're going through your own emotions and your own thinking. You need to stick to the Word. The, the, the Word and the Spirit are actually designed to work together. They work in beautiful harmony when we choose to trust them. And that requires, that requires effort. 
stepping into that space requires our, our effort and, as um, Melissa said this morning, a choice. It is a choice. And in this space, it is a choice that we want to make and encourage and move forward in, in a healthy way. The second part is faith. The first part was understanding. It requires effort in understanding. The second part is faith. And this has been, for me, the most significant part of what prophecy has done in people's lives. In receiving a prophetic word, they see a God alive in somebody else. They see the spirit moving in ways that humans cannot do. And in stepping out and giving a prophetic word, people go, wow, God used me in a way I didn't think I was capable of. Faith is, a, is an area that's really significant in prophecy and is something that we've got to be prepared to commit to for prophecy to be alive and active. We've got to be prepared to step out and take risks. I'm not talking about blind faith where we have no idea. If you read your scripture, you can see where prophecy fits in. And then you go, if it says seek prophecy, if it says my God gives me good gifts when I ask for them, guess what happens? You pray and ask for prophecy and he gives it to you. If someone gives you a car and you never turn the key, what's the point? If God's giving you prophecy, you've got to step out. You've got to use the gift. That's what it's there for. It's there to build and courage and, and, and comfort. You've got to have faith to step into that. And sometimes we stop short because we go, ah, someone else will do it. Maybe it's not me. Maybe this isn't the right time. I'm broken. I've had a hard week. I didn't read my scripture as much. All these things that we throw on ourselves. And yet part of our effort is stepping out in faith. Now, there are some people who say that prophecy stopped after Jesus' first disciples. There's thinking that says prophecy isn't for today, it was only for then. And I guess I think it's really important to say into that space that a God who spent the whole of Scripture, you read from day dot to the first word to the last word, he spent effort connecting with people. That was his intention. The pinnacle of that was sending Jesus to smash the separation that came between us and him. It makes absolutely no sense to me why that God will then shut up and walk away. No sense at all. A God that's invested from day one into people, into knowing them, into them knowing him, into, into connecting with them, into forgiving them so that they can come back to him, into having plans and purposes so that they can experience his goodness and know who he is. All of a sudden going, no, no, what was written is finished and I don't want to speak to anyone anymore. I don't have anything to say. It, it just doesn't compute. It's not the God that we worship. He's a relational God who wants to connect with people. Why would you send your spirit if you didn't want people to know you? They're all pointing back to this sense of God wanting to know us and us to know him. The third part is action. Prophecy requires effort and the effort requires action. The first thing, Sam's already done this this morning, got us to encourage each other. The first stepping stone for a lot of people in stepping into a space of prophecy is to bring a word of encouragement. Prophecy is about hearing from the Lord and sharing his heart with people. And we know again and again, we need to stand with each other, love one another, encourage one another. And if you want to step into God's heart for people and bringing God's word to people, into people's life, then you've got to start with a place of encouragement. You've got to want to encourage people. You've got to be sensitive to the Spirit. 
You've got to wait. Yes, waiting is an action. Sometimes it's one of the hardest actions. Often God will give you a word of knowledge. He'll give you an understanding of what maybe is wrong in a situation. You see something and you go, that's not right. If God wants to encourage, if God wants to build up, God wants to restore, pointing out something's wrong is not the destination. Yeah? There's got to be something past that. So when you get a word of knowledge and you go, that relationship looks a bit busted. You go, oh, God told me your relationship's busted. <laughs> How's that helping anybody? So you go, okay, God, why did you tell me that that relationship's busted? You've revealed something to me that wasn't through human knowledge, but you've, you've shared it with me. What's your intention in here? What's, what do you want me to do about that? And quite often that point of knowledge is a point to say, there's something where I'm going that I want you to understand the context so that when I tell you more, when I give you a word of encouragement, when I, when I want to speak into that person's life, you know what I'm talking about. And so that word of knowledge is not something you want to go in and smash up the place with. It's something that you want to go, okay, Lord, I want to wait on this. I want to understand this more. And I want to step into that space. Part of the action is asking questions. So often we get so proud and we go, I don't understand, but I don't want to tell anybody because then I look stupid. We've got to let go of that consistently. The best way to deal with things that's confusing or we're afraid of or we don't understand is to bring it into the light. And it's the same with prophecy. If you're wrestling with something, tell somebody you trust that you know is on this journey. Don't hold it in and, and just wrestle with it or bury it. Bring it into the light. Bring it into the light. There's so many times that I've heard people share, oh, I really felt like God was saying this or I felt like this was what I need to, need to do or this is what I need to say, but I didn't do it. And for me, there's this tension there that I go, I understand people not wanting to step in and do the first one, which was cause division. But when God is speaking, if we understand his heart, there's something we've got to unpack there. Doing nothing is not the destination. If God's revealing himself, if he's talking, there is intention in that. And so doing nothing is not the answer. Write it down. Draw it. If there's a scripture, remember the scripture. If it's a dream, tell somebody. There's many different ways that God talks. There's not just one way. And so whatever it is, write it down. Do something with it. Share it with someone that you trust. Go, this is, what, this is the dream that I had. I don't understand what it means. Don't be intimidated or in fear because that's a great way to crush what God's heart is and what God's, what God's plan is. So that's a fantastic way the enemy gets us confused and not connecting with God's intention and his heart is to get us afraid and intimidated. Don't let that be your driving factor. And the last thing is letting go. Part of the action is once you've shared something, once you've given it, it's not yours. It was his first and he gave it to you to give someone else. Let it go. And this is hard because you love the word, you've, you've, God's excited something in you, you want to share it, but then you also want to chase them down going, what have you done about it? What have you done? This was really important. God gave me something. And, and you want to chase that person till, till they do something about what you shared. That's not for you. If it was for them, let the Spirit work with them. You're not the Holy Spirit. You've got the Spirit in you and you've, you've moved out of the Spirit, but you've got to let the Holy Spirit do what the Holy Spirit wants to do. 
That's not your job to follow it up and go, what have you done about what I shared? Let go, let go. The second one is prophecy is messy. This is number two because I suspect most people have struggled with this at some time. We've all heard someone go, thus saith the Lord. The Lord's told me that you, and you go, oh, that just makes you cringe. It says in Matthew 24, 10 to 11, at that time, many will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other. And many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. To say that prophecy is all bliss would be false. And we enter this space knowing that it is a messy space. And we've got to be sensitive to what God is saying. I, um, I personally, the most extreme is for me, if I feel like God's telling me something, the most extreme point I'll get to is I'm really convinced that something is the case. Doesn't mean you have to be convinced. If I'm convinced and I share a word, you still have an opportunity to discern, to understand, to process. Because at the end of the day, God gives each of us choices. And no one can tell you what to do. You have the complete freedom. And that frustrates the life out of us because we look at someone doing something that we are convinced is, is not healthy for them. And yet God hasn't come down and smacked them across the face and told them to get their act together. He's actually given them freedom to choose for themselves. And we wanna step in and do things for people. And in that place, there's this tension. And that can sometimes be really hard and can get really messy. It's messy because it requires discernment. 1 Thessalonians 5, 19 to 20 says, Do not quench the spirit. Do not treat prophecy with contempt, but test them all. Hold on to what is good. Reject every kind of evil. It's not saying it's all easy. It's saying there's this tension in there. There's, it gets messy. Be discerning. Be sensitive. And you have been given the spirit to do that. No one else can tell you this is what you have to do. The discernment is in your court every time. We need to be sensitive. Who decides whether it's God's word? It's not a rhetorical question. Who decides whether it's God's word? Person receiving it. And yet so often this thus saith the Lord is I'm telling you and it is how it is. We've got to be sensitive. We've got to be sensitive to the soil that's receiving the word. And as the soil receiving the word, if someone's coming on a bit heavy, remember number, the, the second one? What are they? Faulty equipment. It's okay. They're stepping out into something, giving it a go. Praise God that they're eager. There's so much good in someone sharing something, even if as you're receiving it, you're going, gee, you're coming on a bit heavy here. Finding this a bit hard. For a bit... It, it is messy. That's okay. But be sensitive. Now, I want to share with you, five years ago, almost to the day, we were giving a, given a prophetic word, Tanya and I, from a couple called Greg and Julie Bailey. And there were a number of leaders in the room and each couple the leaders were, were prophesied over and uh, that very, very discerning couple, very spiritually sensitive, have a lot of respect for them. Tanya and I walked out of that room almost in tears because of what we'd heard. And what was harder was that we both agreed. We agreed at what we heard and we didn't sleep that night. We talked for a while. We tossed and turned. I'm going to just play you a little bit. It's a tiny piece of seven minute long prophecy, but just have a look at these words. 
And God says, son and daughter, I want you to begin to un- unwrap those things that I have for you. And then the Lord yeah. says, you're going to help others unwrap them. You're going to help others that are stuck in, in thinking. You're going to say, yep. Yeah. And the Lord says, I've taken you this process so you can help others over the bridge into it. It's like yeah. people over there that haven't crossed into the promised land. You're going to be able to say, it's okay. And you're going to say, yeah, we had some questions. We had some things, but, but now we understand. And we're cross- Come on, come and enjoy all these things that God's got for you. Come and yeah. see what he's got. Okay. Neither here nor there to most people. But what stood out to us was these things. I want you to bring, begin to unwrap those things that I have to you. So they're things that we haven't opened yet. You're going to help others that are stuck in thinking. Yeah, we had some questions, we had some things, but now we understand that we're across. What we heard were you stuffed up the last 20 years of your, your uh, walk as, as Christians. You've had a whole heap of things that you haven't opened. And guess what? Now you're going to start walking in the truth. Now, did anyone think that before I said it? No. <laughs> so the opportunity is for us to be crushed, to walk away, to go, this is terrible. Why, we wasted 20 years. Why should we start now? Like who's to say tomorrow is going to be any different than yesterday? And yet we, we sent Mark an email saying, look, we haven't slept really well last night. We're really struggling. Are we able to catch up? And Mark immediately replied, go, yep, I'm going to follow up with Greg. Look, the email was this long, started at two o'clock in the morning. I had plenty of time to write it. Because we went, I love God's word so much that if that's the truth, Tanya and I at two o'clock in the morning went, if that is true, if this place that we're true, we're going to claim that. If God wants to slap us across the foot, this is not our understanding. We thought we were meant to be encouraged in this space. But if God wants to tell us that, and if this is how he's choosing to tell us, we'll take that. Because I love his word so much that I'm prepared to, to be beat up over this, to feel terrible about the last 20 years. If, you know, Nineveh needed it, maybe I do too, because I care so much about the truth and, and his word in my life. And um, Greg and Julie Bailey got called. He said, look, was there any sense of rebuke in what you, they were like? No, no, no. If that was there, we wouldn't have shared it in a group. If we had a sense, we would have done it separately, personally, privately, with accountability and like, no, 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 that wasn't intended. And then Tanya and I went back and listened to the whole thing. I actually wrote out the whole thing word for word and realized the complete opposite what we felt was what God was saying. There's this sensitivity in the messiness. It was actually at the headspace we walked into the room that was the issue, not what was shared. Um, we were feeling a bit self-conscious. There was, a, there was a bunch of things that were going on in that space. And, and yet this messiness is not something that is a barrier. It's something that requires us to unpack. And the reason I'm standing to you, talking to you today is because of that word. Can you see where I started the message today? Building bridges from people that were confused, who had questions into a place where they can experience the gifts that God's given to them. Wow, that sounds like something God wants to release in me. That sounds like something exciting that I've got to get better at because I'm, I'm uh, faulty equipment too. But it's something that I'm prepared to, to take risks on and to step out in because God's told me. It's so exciting. As a church, we are okay with messy. We are not afraid about messy. Never let that be a barrier to you stepping into what God's called you to do, to stepping into using gifts. That is so far away from where we're at. 
If messy is part of the destination of trusting God more, if messy is part of the journey of experiencing what God wants for our lives, let's have messy. Messy is not the destination. Messy is part of the process of getting there, part of the process of maturing, giving people a go, having a go, getting involved, stretching, growing, learning. We want to be people that engage and embrace what God has for us. And part of that is messy. The last one is prophecy is disruptive. There's very, very, very few times that prophecy doesn't interrupt what we're doing. I was quite happy in my job. I had bad days. I had annoying clients. But I was good at it. I was valued. I was quite happy not to be interrupted. Prophecy is about revealing God's heart. And God's heart is about drawing us closer to Him. If we want to be lazy and not put any effort in, if we want to do things half-baked, prophecy is going to be irritating. It's going to be disruptive. It's going to get in the way because God is intentional. He has purpose. He's not just patting us on the back in our circumstances and leaving us there. He actually wants us to grow. He wants us to understand Him more. He wants us to, to experience His love. He wants us to be encouraged and to step out and take risks. He speaks because He wants us to know Him. He speaks because He wants us to know His love. And prophecy complements what the Word's saying, what the Spirit's doing, what your journey is. It actually fits in, but not because everything is roses and we're doing everything the way we want it to happen. Sometimes we need redirection. Sometimes those things that He's stirring in us need to be brought to life. And so... Most of the time, prophecy is disruptive in a good way, in a good way. When someone says, I don't really see my value. I don't really see my purpose in, a, in life. I don't really see what, where I'm going. You could say, cool, that's your choice. Or you could say, that's not how God sees you. Sometimes we see think prophecy has to be some immediate revelation, divine revelation. Could have been something that he taught you before. He's revealed to you before. That's not how God sees you. Nath, uh, at Bethel, they refer to it as calling out the gold, bringing out the gold, bringing out the gold, bringing out the gold. And what they mean by that is the truth of God's word, the truth of God's heart, revealing it and sharing it with people. It says in 1 Corinthians 13 too, if I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. Prophecy fits into an agenda of God's to reveal love. God is love and his heart is to show love. His heart is to reveal love. It's not always pretty. It's not always nice. It's not always clean. It's sometimes messy. It's disruptive. It's divisive. But it is about God's heart to reveal love. And as a church, that is our agenda. And if God says prophecy is part of it, then I want it. I want to be exercising it and I want to encourage people to be involved in it. I want this space on a Sunday morning. And it's Navigator's Heart too. It's not just me. We want this space on a Sunday morning to be a space where the Spirit moves and works in people's lives. 
where God's word, God's desire to show love and to express love to people is real, it's tangible, it's taking risks, it's stepping out in faith, it's having a go, it's encouraging those that are struggling to just come up that little step to a place of encouragement. It's those that are, that are pumped and, and fired up to go, go on, keep going. I got a phone call yesterday from someone who's, who's had an awesome week in the Lord. And they, um, they were like, I know there were some things happening in, this, in your week. And just as I was praying, your name came to my, my mind and I just want to ring you up, say how you're doing. I was like, I'm actually doing all right. But the fact that God had said to someone, hey, give Matt a call, really just a, such an encouragement to me. I've got a father who's talking about me to my friends. <laughs> like, how awesome's that? Is that good or what? That's what we're here for. That's what your role in this room is for. You are here to bring God's life and light into other people's lives. That is your purpose. And if you haven't embraced prophecy before today, then I'm gonna, I'm gonna actually give you a bit of a challenge now. There's, there's two groups of people that I really believe God wants you to step out in. The first one is people who've never prophesied before, never, never felt like God's giving them, given them a word to share with somebody. And this is an invitation. Please don't feel like you're forced into this. This is definitely just an invitation. I believe, like confused 17 years ago, Matt, that if I ask and if God tells me to pursue it, then God will provide. And so if you have never prophesied before, I believe today God wants you to step into a new space. The second group of people are people who maybe have have prophesied before, but it's been dormant. You're in a position where you go, I really haven't been exercising what God's given me. Maybe, maybe years ago I did, but more recently, I just haven't stepped into that space. And so to, for those two groups of people, I really want to take a step of faith together. As a body, we're in this together. It's not, it's not just you, but it's an opportunity for us to step into what God wants for us. And so I'm going to show you a picture now. This is someone who's done that this week. So last Sunday, Sky came to me. Is Sky here? No, okay. Um, Sky came to me and said, look, God's been giving me pictures. I've been playing around with drawing and I really want to grow in this area. And I'd really like someone to mentor me in, in prophetic art. I've really, God's just been giving me a bunch of pictures. I've been drawing them. And some of them has told me they're for particular people. Some of them I think they're for me and some I don't know what they're for. But I've just been getting into this space of drawing. She had no idea what I've been preparing for this Sunday. Right? Absolutely no idea. But then on Friday, she sent me an email saying, I've got a picture that I think is for the church. I've drawn a picture that I think is for the church. And just as I was drawing it, a particular phrase came up time and time again. And this is her picture and the phrase, focus on the cross. And for me, the rhythm, the synergy of God's heart to use people to bring light into people's lives is about focusing on the cross. This is the heart of this message. This is, the, this is the reason we step out and take risks. This is the motivation that as a church, I believe God wants us to look at the cross, the victory of the cross, and to take a step towards that, take a step of risk, take a step out. 
take a step of maturity and graciousness in that. And so for those two groups of people now, as Sky's stepped out, those that know Sky, she is as far from being an extrovert than you could think. This is part of God's victory. This is part of God's saying to a, an amazing daughter of His, I believe in you. You can speak to your church. You have words to share with your family. Pictures, actually. But <laughs> this is significant. But this is not just for Sky. This is for all of us.